This is a podcast by The Straits Times and The Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times and The Straits Times, where we offer introductory financial investment tips. I'm your host, Chris Lim, and today we have with us Natalia Goh, Head of Credit Cards and Personal Loans at Standard Chartered Bank. Welcome to the show, Natalia. Hi, Chris. Today we're talking about credit card fraud and disputes and, well, whether or not there's a difference in them. Investing, right? You buy stuff for yourself, you invest in something for your company or business, maybe. You buy it, you buy it with a credit card and something goes wrong. What do you do then? Is there a difference between a standard credit card dispute and fraud? Natalia, break it down for us, please. Sure, happy to do that. So I think uh, one of the things I wanted to explain to our listeners today is the difference between credit card fraud and credit card disputes. So let's take credit card disputes. So credit card disputes occur when you've purchased something and it hasn't come out right. So for example, you've bought something for a merchant and the item, the good or the service that the merchant has delivered is faulty. They haven't delivered the full goods that they've promised, the goods were late, or the service that was promised wasn't delivered to the standard that was expected. So that's when you raise a dispute to say, I want to dispute the goods and services I received from the merchant. It wasn't what I paid for. It wasn't what I agreed between myself and the merchant. A fraud is different. A fraud is when your credit card credentials have been compromised. So it could be, for example, someone has hacked your account, someone has used your credit card information to make purchases or to make transactions without your authorization. So that's the key difference between a dispute and a fraud. Would it be correct to say that fraud will have an intentional element in it? Absolutely. So in the fraud case, yes, there's basically a fraudster who's behind it, who has used your credentials to make some unauthorized transactions. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the case of a credit card dispute, you've actually performed that transaction, but whatever that's been delivered to you now is not to the standard that you've expected. So basically, if you're unhappy with the transaction, pretty much that's a dispute. It's not fraud. That's right. You know, fraud is pretty much someone is, I mean, it could be a scam. It could be someone stole your details. Someone could be impersonating you or other misrepresenting you or your financial details. Absolutely. And I think one of the things I wanted to highlight is basically for these two different kinds of credit card issues, there are sort of different steps that consumers should look out for. So in the case of a dispute, it's really important for consumers to actually collect documentation. So for example, if they've purchased something, they have a receipt, but the goods weren't delivered, or they've purchased like 10 items, but only nine items were delivered. All of this documentation helps the consumer when they bring their case to the bank so that the bank can help them working with Visa and MasterCard to claim this money back for them. In the case of a fraud, what's usually required is a police report for the consumer to report to the police either they've lost their credit card and it's been used or someone has hacked into their account. So these are different sort of steps that consumers can take. Keep all your receipts. Man, that's a lot of receipts. <laughs> so as a rule of thumb, how far back should I keep my receipts? Or is it more like the moment I receive something and I'm happy with it, I can crumple up the receipts or hit the delete button? Yeah, once you receive your goods and services and you're happy with it, you can delete your receipts. It's good for you to keep it for yourself in case subsequently you find that this item breaks down after you've started using it or if it's covered under a warranty period. So that's good for yourself to keep that. But from a bank point of view, if you're claiming for any disputes or fraud, please do keep it for three months. Uh, So that's the rule of thumb, 90 days. I would say 90 days. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And in the case of a police report for fraud, is there a time limit that you have to make this police report? As soon as possible. Mm -hmm. The sooner you do it, the stronger your case and the more effective it will be when the bank tries to help you reclaim these monies. And you can do this anywhere? You just go... Yep, anywhere. And it can be anywhere in the world. So I think what might be interesting to consumers is if I share a couple of examples of the increasing number of cases that we're seeing on the credit card side. One of this is actually there's been an increase in the number of consumers who are kind of taken in by various online investments and online trading schemes. So there are a number of companies now that are targeting consumers to say, invest online, we'll give you higher returns, invest in, it can be different items. It can be equities, it can be property, it can even be things like cryptocurrency. So we're seeing a lot more interest from consumers. And I think it's also a function of a lot more of these companies marketing directly to consumers. But one thing I wanted to highlight to our listeners is that for these sorts of schemes, 
schemes, they actually have no rights for disputes. So this is governed by Visa and MasterCard rules. And according to Visa and MasterCard rules, there's no dispute rights for online trading, investments in cryptocurrency. So meaning consumers have to take on that risk themselves. They can't invest in an online scheme. And later on, if they you know make losses or if they did not get their money back, if they come back to the credit card company and say, oh, okay, you know, I made this and this investment, I didn't get the money back, the credit card company will not be able to help them. Big heads up there, you know, I mean, your rights may be limited when it comes to disputes, specifically for online trading, things like crypto and all that. Don't assume that you are covered. You need to do your homework. Absolutely. So I think my advice would be for them to really look at the company they're investing with. Ideally, they should be MAS regulated entities. If you like Money Hacks so far, please subscribe to Money Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. And now back to our conversation about credit cards with Natalia Go, Head of Credit Cards and Personal Loans at Standard Chartered Bank. And we were talking about credit card fraud. And guess what? Do a lot of online trading. You want to get into crypto. You may not be covered as far as disputes are concerned. Yep, that's right. So can you give us some steps then? So if I want to cover myself, say against credit card fraud, what are the step-by-step guide to covering myself properly? So let me share with listeners a few key steps. I think I'll share three key steps today. The first one is to set up SMS transaction alerts for your credit card. So by default, all banks will help enroll you into transaction alerts. This means that when you've performed a transaction on your credit card, you will receive an SMS, which gives you details of the transaction amount, the merchant name, the timing and date of transaction. And consumers can go in and change the thresholds for these transaction alerts. So for example, if you're somebody who's very conscientious and you want to know absolutely every transaction that occurs on your card, you can set this transaction alert level at a dollar. But if if you're like, okay, only let me know when I've spent above like $500, then you can set the transaction alert at a higher level. So that's the first piece to set up transaction alerts. Then the second related to that, obviously, is when you receive these alerts, do take a look at them and make sure that the details make sense to you. So if you receive a transaction alert for a merchant and you do not recognize the merchant name or for a certain transaction amount that you don't recognize, please call your bank and let them know. And one of the things actually now that we're talking about this, I wanted to highlight common practice among Singaporeans when they travel overseas. We've noticed that a few of our cardholders tend to switch off their phones when they're overseas. I think this is to prevent themselves perhaps from incurring data roaming charges and so on. But when you switch off your mobile phones when you're overseas, this means that you're not able to receive these transaction alerts. So I would encourage customers to keep this on so that you can monitor for transactions even while you're overseas. So me set up SMS transaction alerts and then, hey, read your transaction alerts. And you know, when you're overseas, read it overseas too. Turn on your phone, otherwise you won't be able to receive them overseas. Exactly. And the third one that's really important is the reminder to everyone again that you should never share your login details and passwords with anyone. So your bank, your credit card company will never you for your login details. And we've seen an increase in the incidence of a number of like phishing emails where consumers receive emails that look like they come from a bank or from a very legitimate organization like from Apple or from Amazon asking them for these details. These companies will never ask you for your login details and neither will your bank. What else would a bank not ask for? So yeah, I mean, personal info, sensitive info, your bank account number, obviously not. Mm-hmm. What else would a bank not ask you for as a red flag, you know? Yeah, so they'll never ask you to review like your full account information. So that's for sure. And the other thing your bank will never ask you to reveal is your OTP, which is your one-time password. OTP, it's usually SMS, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And which is why you need to turn on your phone to do these things. Absolutely. Okay. Any more tips for us? No, I think these are the key ones I wanted to cover today. Okay. So come back to SMS alerts. Can I get them on WhatsApp? Can I get them via email? Or is SMS the only way I can get these alerts? So SMS is the key channel for receiving these alerts. Today, most banks and credit card issuers don't use WhatsApp yet mm-hmm. for sending these alerts. In addition to SMS, your bank may also send you a transaction alert through email. 
and also through in-app notification. So for Standard Chartered, what we do is we actually send customers information over SMS, email, as well as in-app. So if you have the SC Mobile app downloaded on your phone, there will also be an in-app notification to let you know whenever a transaction has occurred. Okay, so if you like using the app, you might want to have some sort of roaming mobile data plan if you're traveling overseas so that you can access your app overseas. So good to plan ahead for that as well, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Turn on your phone if you want SMS notifications. Have a mobile data plan as well. Mm-hmm. And then the practical concern so that you can be alerted when things go wrong. Yes. Read the stuff. Absolutely do read it and check for any of the details. As long as something doesn't look quite right, whether it's merchant name, transaction amount, or date or timing of transaction, call your bank. There's no harm done. And then again, this may be basic, but watch out for phishing. Be aware of red flags, things that a bank or any other financial institution wouldn't ask you. Sensitive info, account info, passwords, of course. OTP, no one will ask you your OTP. Sometimes they ask you over the phone, right? These verification things when you call into customer service and they'll send you something. Yeah, so there's a difference between what we call sort of inbound and outbound calls. Mm-hmm. So if you've called into the customer service center for a bank, so you've now reached out to the bank, so they will ask you to authenticate yourself. But if someone has reached out to you, let's say a bank, if they're legitimate, they will not ask you for the details. So that's the difference when you've called the bank versus if the bank's called you. Well, thanks for all these tips, Natalia. We've been speaking with Natalia Go, Head of Credit Cards and Personal Loans at Standard Chartered Bank. Thanks for being with us and walking us through all the pitfalls and all the tips. Thanks for having me, Chris. That's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks. We hope you like these tips. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times and The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.